0: Well my my name's Steve and I'm an alcoholic uh, glad to be here and glad to be sober and uh, Paul uh, invited me out to uh to do this a couple of months ago and uh I say invited he baited me with food <laughs> and uh and I wanted to make it clear first, thank you Paul, for uh, letting me do this and second of all, you can blame him for this so um if you're having a hard time hearing back there, I'll, uh, just let me know, and uh, I'll, I'll come back there. Um, the uh, um, well, it would be uh, it would be, be a lie to say that. Well, first of all, I want to tell you I'm not a circuit speaker or anything like that. So whatever comes out is what you get. Okay. Um, but uh, and, and I like to start off uh, with the fact that. Uh, Uh, My sobriety date is July 20th, 1994, and that, uh, there's a couple of you who didn't clap. Uh, the, uh, um, I I say that because, uh, I want to make it clear that it's, it's, uh, that it, that I do get sober eventually in the course of this talk, so. Um, it was a long, rough childhood, um, and I say that a lot. The, uh, uh, so, born a long time ago, and uh, from out the gate, uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm have the thought, I, the belief anyway, that um, I wasn't made an alcoholic. I was born an alcoholic, and uh, I haven't put a lot of effort into why, Uh, I've grown to accept the fact that I am. um, Several of the, uh, you know, I've I've, as a result of working a fourth and well a fourth and fifth step. But uh, looking back on uh, my early life, uh, my whole life's been governed by fear, guilt, and shame. That's Catholicism. No offense, please. Um, uh, The uh, uh, as a as a kid, I I, I was, I was scared to death. Uh, I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to blend in, blend in. And, uh, my, my dad was in the service and, uh, he carted us all over the world and every two or three years we would move and change schools and I would have to do whatever was necessary to fit in. And I just wanted to slide in under the, uh, under the radar. I didn't want any attention. Um, of course it's the sixties. Um, everybody's, you know, I'm, Everybody's growing their hair long, and my dad insists on giving me crew cuts, right? And it's hard to fit in that way. It's, uh, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be noticed, but I didn't want to be seen. You know, I played Little League Baseball. Uh, I, I, I played the position of catcher, and it, you know I, I guess I was all right at it. But it was more due to the fact that I had a mask on and pads and all that, and nobody could see me. I couldn't hit because everybody was looking at me, right? And it wasn't about hitting is what everybody thought of me. And, uh, so those are just some of the, you know, some of the characteristics that i you know, I, I, adopted, I guess, as a, as a child. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that I was, uh, I, I was, my, my whole life is it was governed by fear and it didn't help that, uh, I had, uh, uh, well, a rather violent upbringing and, uh, so I spent a lot of time, aside from being noticed and being scared of being found out and getting caught and recognized that I was a fake and a fraud. I was scared to death of what my dad was going to do at any given, excuse me, any given time. And uh, anyway, ultimately we uh, we moved back to uh, we we moved back to from Europe to uh, to my dad's uh, excuse me my mom's hometown of uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts, and. Uh, 11 years old 12 years old something like that 11 years old and uh very shortly thereafter they get a divorce and when my dad leaves it's like the greatest day of my life right you know i see him go around the corner i'm looking for a marching band to come this way and uh so with him also went out out you know when he left so did anything that resembled uh discipline and uh you know, I was no longer, I mean, that fear was gone. I was no longer scared. My dad wasn't there to be scared of, right? And, uh, um, but before they left, uh, my, uh, my mom and dad agreed to send me to, uh, me and my brothers to, to Catholic school, right? They didn't, they, they were concerned about the drug problem in, in public schools. And uh, they didn't really think it all the way through because in Catholic schools, Catholic kids have more money and more drugs, and, uh, we ended up selling to the kids in public schools, right, but anyway, in pretty short order, I fell in with a bunch of kids who were just like me, and, uh, was introduced to smoking weed, and then pretty shortly thereafter, it was hanging out and drinking, uh, what was it, the tequila sunrise, you know, the, man, that stuff was good, and, uh, it, it was remarkable because suddenly I fed in with somebody with a group of people and, uh, uh I, I, felt comfortable in my own skin. I wasn't scared anymore. Right. Alcohol was the trick. Didn't know that that's what I was looking for, but by God, I found it. Right. And, uh, it was off to the races, pretty short order. Obviously my grades fell off the table. Um, Made four different attempts to go to high school, um, all of which were, uh, I mean, very short-lived and uh, uh, did, did a lot of, well, I mean, I, I couldn't finish high school. I was too busy drinking, and uh, it's it funny, I, you know, to turn that around, um, you know, I didn't have time for school. I was washing dishes at the local restaurant, right? So, you know, look at all them losers at school. <laughs> I'm making money. Right. And, uh, but, uh, you know, up until that, you know, I, I was just drinking and partying and having a good time. Right. And, yeah. uh, them, you know, running amok, as they say, I was, uh, uh, pretty much, a just a street punk hanging out on the corners, smoking weed and, and, uh, a lot of drinking. And, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, along the way, you know, the, we, we look back and there's a variety of indicators that, you know, I might have a problem, right? And, uh, the, uh, of course I don't, I don't, I didn't pay attention to them, but, uh, um, you know, one, one deal is, uh, <laughs> a, a very good friend of mine, he'd come by and pick me up on, uh, on my birthday, pick me and another buddy of mine up on our birthdays because we shared the same birthday and, uh, come by, we go buy as much beer as we could. And actually there was, you know, four or five of us in the car go buy as much beer as we could and we're driving down the road and we're just, just you know, just a, a, a buzz ride and uh, celebrating birthday, listening to music, having a good time. And, uh, um, you know, I, I decide that uh, I I need to, to relieve myself, right? And, uh, well, not in the car, but forced the driver to pull over, my buddy Brian. He's all, Steve, we we just passed a state cop. I said, I don't care, <laughs> pull over. And so he does. And uh, so me and my buddy, we get out, and we're standing there next to the guardrail and uh, that cop never gets out of the, out of the, uh, the breakdown lane. He just drives right up behind us, waits for me to finish my business, approaches me and I fall down over the guardrail and proceed to roll down a hill 60 feet while he just stands there and watches. And, uh, get about halfway back up the hill and fall back down the hill and this goes on, you know, about 5 or 6 times and I'm not exaggerating at all, right? I you know, I grab onto the grass and pull the grass out of the ground and fall back down there. Finally get to the top of the hill and uh, my buddy's telling the cop. He says, uh, "Hey, uh, yeah, it's our birth, you know, it's our birthday. We just turned 18 and I'm like compelled to be honest for some reason. No, we just turned 17. Here's my learner's permit, right? Well, he uh, proceeds to make everybody pour the beer out and uh, puts me in the back seat while they do that, and I promptly pass out, right? And uh, they're all mad as hell because they're having to dump out all the beer because of my behavior, right? And uh, so we're driving back to town. Nobody's got any beers. I'm passed out. Pull up to a liquor store. My buddy has enough money to buy a six-pack. He goes in, comes out, and uh, I wake up to everybody in the car asking him for a beer and he's saying no. And uh, no, he's not giving them any beers They're for him. Right. And uh, I wake up and I said, what's up, Brian? And he just handed me a beer. And, and it's because he knew they just wanted a beer. He knew that I needed a beer for whatever reason. Right. Uh so that, that kind of carried a little bit of weight, you know, and, uh, uh, things like that happened all the time. They continued with, you know, more and more frequency, you know, prior to that, I I remember being, uh, probably about 13 years old and, uh, uh, this guy who lived across the street, he was, uh, he was a, he was a plumber and, uh, he had a side job. They were doing this big remodel and, uh, gonna give me a couple of bucks and go out there and you know just stack old lumber and strip nails and do all that sort of stuff for eight hours and give me 50 bucks for the day and i'm like in in hog heaven right and uh at lunchtime we go to the local pizza place and uh uh he orders pitchers of beer and so i'm 13 years old and i'm drinking beers with the guys right and this is cool as hell and uh we might've had two pitchers of beer at lunch and there was three or four of us and, and, and then we go back to work. And, uh, you know, looking back, uh, I, what I remember about that is I was, that was one of the most miserable afternoons of my life because there was no more beer, right? And I, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I was experiencing the phenomenon of craving and that story or that, that particular situation, when I read about that in the book, um, I remembered that right away. And I experienced that feeling multiple times throughout my life, right? Um, not to mention that, you know, the, the, the whole deal with, uh, with my buddy giving me the beer when he wouldn't give it to anybody else, right? I, I had very early on developed uh, the need to drink. Um, of course, I'm oblivious to it. I think it's just a good time, right? Well, uh, after a period of time, you know, I grow up. Um, going nowhere fast, you know, I've, uh, I get a variety of jobs. I always have the capacity to make a lot of money. I've become a commercial fisherman on a very successful boat, um, partying like a rock star, right? I mean, uh, the boat's out of Florida. We go out fishing, come in, get paid for the trip before, you know, fly home. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm flying up and down the Eastern seaboard. I'm drinking, I'm partying and, and it's a blast, Right totally out of control though, right? rent cars concerts, it's it just, its it goddamn fun to be quite honest, right? It really was, excuse me. But um, after a period of time, uh, uh, I couldn't manage to hang on to that job, right? I, I don't, how, how does a commercial fisherman lose his job, right? I, I managed to do that, you know, just by, I don't know, you miss the boat, I literally missed the boat. And, uh, uh, you know, and along the way, I I didn't recognize a lot of things. A lot of people, uh, you know, they, they invested time and money and they saw potential in there that I had no appreciation for whatsoever. And, and my whole life, I've, I've done nothing but use people, especially anybody that cared about me. My, my self-esteem was such that, uh, uh, that if I recognized the fact that you cared about me, I thought there was something wrong with you. Your judgment was wrong because I'm not worth caring, excuse me, caring about. And uh, based on that, you're to be taken advantage of. And I felt compelled to teach you a lesson, right? I, I would burn you for everything that you had, your time, your money, whatever it was. If you had something I needed or wanted, I got it. And if you didn't, I, I left. Um, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of people extended, uh, extended their hands. They, they wanted to bring me along. You know, I, I uh, the captain of that fishing boat, right? Uh, he wanted me to run it for him, right? Of course, I'm too drunk to appreciate that. But, uh, I ended up missing the boat and, and he could no longer put any more time and effort into me, right? And on and on it went. I had a variety of jobs that people wanted to invest in me, and number one, I couldn't see it, and number two, I was busy. So uh, I moved to. Uh, well, ultimately, I, I you know I'm going nowhere fast, right? I'm 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 just I'm just drinking now, right? Um, I'm I'm all of 21, 22 years old, and that's all I do is drink, and uh, that's. I knew there's something wrong with that because there are other things that I thought normal 21 and 22 year olds had more higher priorities or different priorities than I did. And I didn't have any respect for them. Right. I didn't, I didn't care about an education. I didn't care about a career. I maybe I did. I didn't know how to go about doing it, but I certainly didn't have any self-discipline. I reached out to, uh, to my dad, who's been quite a, gone quite a while. And, uh, I, uh, he's, he's since moved to, uh, Bakersfield, California. And I, uh, I give him a call and, and I move out there and I move in with him and his new family. And, uh, uh, you know, I think he's got the discipline that, uh, that I need, right. That's all I need is some self discipline. Right. And I don't have any self discipline. So, you know, I can fake it for a while. Um, and, um, uh, You know, i reach a couple of milestones. I managed to get my GED. I get a job. I do a few things. But, uh, the, uh, I, I moved in with a very polished alcoholic. We'll put it that way. And the only reason I would call him an alcoholic is he identified as such in a meeting for, and enjoyed a period of sobriety for, for a while. So, um, I, am not calling him an alcoholic. He, he did it himself. But, uh, Anyway, I moved in with him and, uh, 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 it was on, right. Uh, just started drinking with my dad and, uh, that didn't work out very well. Um, uh, it, it got violent rather quickly. And the, and the difference was, is I wasn't an 11 year old kid anymore. And, uh, he was also 10 years older. And, uh, so it wasn't pretty. Um, but in that period of time, I was very fortunate, uh, in the fact that, uh, I met my wife, my, well, at the time I met my future wife. She's still my wife today. And, um, uh, you know, my, my dad and I, we, we never, ever got along. We just never got along. And, uh, it, it culminated with a, with a fight one night and, uh, I moved out and, uh, ended up moving in with my wife and her family and, and well, my future wife. And, uh, one thing leads to another and ultimately we get married. And, um, I have this, uh, this, this very skewed sense of, of, uh, well, it's an alcoholic version of, uh, you know, what, what a man is, what a husband is and what a father is and what a family looks like. Right. And, uh, I tried to, uh, I tried to duplicate, uh, what I saw witness with my dad. Right. I'm, I'm the man of the house and you'll do this and you'll do that. Well, one of the, uh, one of the lessons I learned pretty quickly was that if uh, you want to rule a house with intimidation, uh, you need to marry a woman who's intimidated. And uh, my wife is not. So I like to say that my first seven years of marriage in my house were uh, electric. <laughs> <laughs> there was a certain degree of volatility that uh, could erupt at any time. And it didn't matter who was there, who was right, who was wrong. Um, Yeah. We'll just say we were very passionate and, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, we, uh, we, we get married. We, 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 we have a few kids and uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the deal. Not really. Role playing, right? We're playing house, and uh, things are things are cruising along. But uh, uh, you know, still, my, my my alcoholism for sure is, is progressing, and uh, um, the uh, and, and I did get my wife's permission. She's she's in the program. She got sober before I did. Thank God. Uh, but uh, we were. Uh, we, we we got to a point where our alcohol and drug use were absolutely spiraling out of control. Um, the uh, the children were, were starting to be affected. Uh, we're starting to play games with each other. Uh, we you know I've had uh, you know I'm getting my power shut off at my house. I don't have any you know now I'm playing cat and mouse with PG and E. You know they disconnect, they take my meter, I plug it back in. They come and take the meter and keep it. So then I jumper it. Now I'm stealing power and, and you know, just all this, this stuff, right? And I still think my life's manageable, right? I, I can't manage to pay the bill, but I can outsmart PG&E, right? And, uh, yeah, there's a pretty funny story about that. I'm in the process of stealing power, and uh, I happen to uh, have a live conductor in my hand and hit my elbow on a steel weatherhead, and if anybody was watching me do that, they would have sworn that I would just seen the second coming of Christ because it stood me straight up, right? But uh, anyway, uh, uh, my 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 mother in law she passed away of, uh, as a as a result of a heart attack, and uh, when that happened, there were uh, there were no more barriers. Uh, there were there were no more governors to either one of our behaviors right? We, we didn't have to change our behavior for anybody else. And, uh, it got out of control pretty quickly, but all, all, all of this time, you know, things are starting to build up on us, right? You know, uh, um, being evicted, not paying our bills, uh, losing our cars, um, and just constantly playing catch up, right? And I have this mindset that, you know, I go to work, I earn the money, you pay the bills and everything will be good. And, uh, well, I mean, she had her deal and she wasn't paying the bills. Right. And, uh, uh, and I just had this, this deal going on that if she would just get her shit together, everything would be okay. Right. If she would just, God damn it. She would just use responsibly. Everything would be okay. Well, uh, the guy we used to party with, he goes to a rehab and, uh, he comes out of this rehab and, uh, that's kind of like what the book describes. You know, he's got this glimmer in his eyes and he's happy and he's not using or anything. And, uh, uh, he's wanting to know where Nancy is. And I said, she left the other night and I haven't seen her in three days. And he says, well, I'm going to go find her. Well, he went and found my wife. She went into rehab and, uh, I'm like, man, I grew up around people who were going to rehabs. I know what this stuff's about, right? It's just to get the heat off, right? Put a little bit of weight on, satisfy the judge. You know, I know. I know what's up here, right? Well, it took. <laughs> she she went to this rehab, and she got sober, and she stayed sober. And furthermore, uh, my shit didn't come together, right? Now I'm just... I'm just drinking and using and my life's not getting any better. It's still falling apart and I don't have anybody to blame except for myself. Right. Well, I'd rather not look at myself under those circumstances. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, now I'm, now I'm gainfully unemployed, um, married, three kids, two cats, drinking up my, uh, drinking up my unemployment, living on my wife's disability. And there's all that potential being realized right no car and uh god dang a sober wife and uh you know i'm doing things now like uh like at seven o'clock in the morning i i gather up my kids and uh we we walk down the street and uh we jump a fence in the back of the supermarket we go to the supermarket and uh go and uh you know I'll go buy a six pack and a half gallon of milk or a quart of milk and a and a small box of cereal and I've got the kids with me but I want it to be a decoy right the beer's incidental right I'm here I'm here for to get to feed the kids look at me I'm a good dad come on sonny and um just doing you know cuz I care so much about how I look and I know that's all that people are looking at anyway that's that's all they ever talked about was me. And uh, anyway, the uh, it gets to a point where I'm uh, spending more and more time looking at myself through my kids' eyes. And uh, what's happened is uh, alcohol has stopped working. Alcohol has stopped working. I'm continuing to drink. I drink excessively. I drink every waking moment. I would drink and pass out and wake up drink again till I passed out I, two, three times a day, passing out and waking up and drinking. And no matter what I did, I couldn't shut my head up. It kept telling me what a worthless piece of shit I was. And, uh, my automatic reaction every single time I came to was fear, guilt, and shame to the point that I was so conditioned by that feeling. Had I, when I didn't drink or use or do anything the night before I still woke up with that initial feeling of fear, guilt, and shame. And then when I drank, I would be physically drunk, stumbling, bumbling, speaking in tongues, incoherent, and my head was perfectly coherent. And it kept telling me what a piece of shit I was. And furthermore, the fear was back. I was deathly afraid of everything. I couldn't answer the phone. I couldn't answer the door. I couldn't go to the grocery store and buy beer without my kids as a decoy, right? Didn't have a whole lot going for me. Knew exactly what I looked like. Uh, went from a pretty good job as a, as an electrician to uh, helping my gardener buddy. And uh, for a gallon of milk, a pack of smokes, and all the crank I could smoke, right? And that was my deal. I'm, I'm sorry about bringing drugs into this uh, story, but part of my deal. Um, they, uh, so one day I wake up feeling the same as I'd done every other morning. And uh, I came walking out into the living room and uh, uh, I told my wife that I was done. And she just looked at me and I, I said, what do I do? It's the first time I've ever asked that question, right? And she said, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, don't drink until your next meeting. I'm like, next meeting? I've never been to a meeting, right? And uh, two nights later, no, one one night later, uh, July 20th, 1994, that same gardener, that same guy who went and found my wife, took me to uh, my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. 106 Lincoln Street in uh, Oildale, California. If you're ever out that way, stop in. It's a great meeting. Um, uh, I know when I walked in the door that I had, uh, I had no idea what to expect, but when I walked across the threshold of 106 Lincoln for the first time in my life, I was doing something. I was doing something good for myself. And it felt like a huge weight was being lifted off my shoulders. And the, the relief that I experienced was nothing short of amazing. I have no idea what Alcoholics Anonymous was about. My, my, my version of it was, you know, just a bunch of guys sitting around patting each other on the back saying it's okay buddy you can do it right and uh, I've been uh, nothing but pleasantly surprised from from that night ever since right Uh, the uh, so I I start going to meetings I hear about this 90 and 90 deal and uh, well I'm not too busy you know (laughs) And, uh, I, uh, so I end up doing like, uh, I don't know, 120, 130. All I got to do is go to meetings. Right. And, uh, so, uh, I'm going to meetings, uh, morning, noon, night, weekends, you know, and, uh, and my life starting to improve and, and, uh, you know, starting to acquire things. Right. You know, and, uh, er early on, you know, I I get a job. It was amazing. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm riding to work and I'm riding to meetings on his bicycle. It's a borrowed bike. Right. And, uh, and, uh, that was my first sober resentment as the owner of the bike came and took it back. Right. And I'm like, you don't even need the bike. I need the bike. And he took that bike back. So anyway, uh, uh, still I'm, I'm going to work. I'm riding, you know, getting rides, managing to get to work, man, you know, I'm determined. And, uh, things are starting to get better, right? You know, and uh, uh, God dang, you know, we uh, we bought a bed, you know, and, and people told us later, if we heard heard about that bed one more God dang time and watched your wife cry about that bed one more time, you know, it was a big deal. We had a bed. And, uh, you know, a couple months later, we bought this car, right? And uh, Toyota Corolla with uh, a <laughs> miscolored beat up door and 120,000 miles on it. And God dang, we were so glad to have it. Right. It was registered and everything. And, uh, I could put gas in it. We paid insurance, you know, you know, uh, I I was, I was insured. Of course I didn't have a driver's license, but it's coming. Right. (laughs) One one thing at a time. I've, (laughs) I've got to have a reason for a license, right? Paul, (laughs) no car, no need. (laughs) Um, So, uh, anyway, I get a sponsor. Um, and, uh, the, uh, I mean that, that dynamic, I mean, that was God given. Um, I didn't have the courage to ask for a sponsor. He said, he asked me, you know, he said, uh, Steve, you have a sponsor yet? And I said, no. He says, how about I be your temporary sponsor until you find a sponsor? Well, uh, he was my temporary sponsor for about 20 years. Right. And, uh, the, uh, the, the absolutely, uh, uh, just the, the, the beginning of an, of, of a truly amazing relationship. Um, didn't get really busy on the steps right away. Right. You know, because, uh, cause I'm, I'm unique and, uh, there's suggestions. And, uh, so I sit there and look at the, look at them on the board and, uh, yeah, sure. I'm powerless over alcohol and. Obviously, my life's unmanageable. I'm here, right? And uh, uh, turn my will and my life over to the paris, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 step two. Came to believe in a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, right? No problem, right? You know, I'm Catholic. I've been to church. I've got a God, right? And step three, again, no problem, right? Turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. No problem. Uh, Step four. Oh, I know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I was. Just like I did back then. And and, and step five. Are you kidding me? You know, I am not telling anybody. Any, I mean, this stuff is going to the grave. Right? Uh, The... uh, so, uh, you know, I kind of picked and choose which steps I was going to work. And I, I, you know, you know, I spent a lot of time reading between the lines. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, in spite of that, my life did continue to get better and better and better. Right. You know, I, I developed a pretty solid, ele- uh, reputation as electrician. I was working a lot of hours, uh, got a company truck, you know, everything, you know, I was in demand and, uh, you know, developed a huge so you know enjoyed the fellowship to the max, right? Camping trips and and beach trips and and roundups and conventions and it was a blast, right? But I'll tell you this: uh, I still hadn't worked steps four and five, and I didn't work them for a long time. And uh, one night, uh, I'm driving home from work, and uh, it's a it's been a very long night, and uh, um, I tried everything in my power to finish up this particular job at this facility because I never wanted to go back to that facility again. And I was unsuccessful and I was furious that I had to go back to that place on Sunday morning. And I'm driving down the freeway and, uh, out of nowhere, this well, for a lack of a better term, this situation or incident that I was involved in as a 15 year old juvenile, um, it, it seemed like it appeared on my windshield. It was so vivid, this thing that I had done back then that I was so ashamed of. And out of, no- I had stuffed it as soon as I'd done it. Right. I'd never thought about it. I hadn't thought about it. in, in uh, in 20 years, <laughs> hadn't thought about it. And out of nowhere, it was broadcast. Like it just came out of nowhere. I had to pull over. It freaked me out. Right. And, uh, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to do and I needed to do it then. And, uh, the next morning, um, on my way back out to that, that particular facility, I called my sponsor and, uh, we made the arrangements to get to sit down and, uh, and do my four step. And, uh, you know, I asked for the direction to do it. We, uh, and, uh, uh, made, you know, set a deadline and, and got to the point where, uh, I could do my fifth step, did my fifth step with them and, uh, and relatively short order, uh, was, was able to finish the steps. The, uh, uh, the thing that happened when I finished steps four and five for me was, uh, obviously, um, for those, for those of you that have done steps four, four and five, um, the, there's the obvious relief that you get as a result of doing them. Right. Uh, I've done my inventory. I've taken my responsibility for my actions in these resentments. And, uh, you know, I've looked at my fears. I've, I've looked at all my inventories. I've, 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 shared all the garbage with my sponsor and I've got all of that off my chest. Right. And that's a huge amount of relief. Um, but the, the, the two biggest things that I think that I got is having done those, uh, I felt like a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, because I'm walking around and I'm hanging out with you guys and you guys are all working the steps and you guys are all doing the deal. And I'm hanging out with you and I'm just pretending to be one of you. Right. I know now that you weren't thinking about me and I'm kind of disappointed in that. But the but I was just I was I was posing. I was I mean, that's that's sick, right? I'm posing as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And, uh, uh, but as a result of doing four and five, uh, it opened the, it opened the floodgates and allowed me to do a thorough six, seven, uh, make a, you know, a, a very accurate list of, uh, people that I'd harmed. Um, uh, my list of amends, uh, is not done. It's not done. Some will never be able to be made. They, they'll have to be made with alternative means, but, uh, the, uh, uh, but it's an ongoing process, and it is so gosh dang liberating. I swear to God, um, if you haven't done the steps, uh, they come highly recommended. Uh, very, a very good friend of mine said the other suggested should suggested only. He said, but it's kind of like being suggested to get out of a burning building, right? <laughs> I, I suggest you leave, right? The, um. They, uh, uh, 10, 10, 11, and 12, uh, here I am. Uh, I, I, I regard this as uh, an attempt at step 12, right? I, uh, uh, I've i had a spiritual awakening, and uh, I'm in the middle of a spiritual experience. And uh, uh, th- this program has saved my life. It's, uh, it's you know, the, the fact that, I spend so much time, essentially all of the time, comfortable in my own skin today, is something that I could never ever fathom prior to getting here to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not scared. I'm not scared to answer the door. I'm not scared to open mail. You know, I'm not scared to answer the phone. You know, I'm not scared to look at my children and you know, look in my children's eyes. I'm not look I'm not scared to look in anybody's eyes today. And uh, that in itself is a a miracle that uh, was, quite frankly, never available to me. When I got here to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, The, uh, you know, uh, we were talking last night uh, uh, about unmanageability. And, uh, you know, uh, my life didn't become unmanageable. I don't think my life was ever manageable. And uh, the same guy who who talked about the suggestion said that... uh, uh, nowhere in the book does it ever say it's becomes manageable. My, my, life is managed by God today, right? I, uh, my relationship with God today is deep and profound. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful relationship. It's something that I never experienced in, uh, in my religious upbringing, right? Uh, I have the benefit of my own concept of God and, uh, we walk and talk together frequently and, and, and often, and uh, there's quite a bit of laughter involved in that relationship, you know? And one of the things that brought it brought that, that the concept of God home for me was uh, my sponsor and I were standing there, and my sponsor was talking to somebody else, and this guy was uh, talking about uh, he was gonna do this, this, and this, and this. And, uh, you know, there was an accident, and then he couldn't do this, this, and this. And my sponsor says, If you ever wanna hear God laugh, tell him your plans, right? And uh, I thought, well, right there, there was a personification of God. And I got this vision of God sitting up there or sitting somewhere, I don't know, up, down, over, wherever, uh, but sitting there laughing and slapping his knees. And it's like, he's regular, right? He's not some big silent dude sitting up there judging. He's my pal. We're buddies. Um, I have a different relationship with God. I ask him, "What you know? What are we going to do today, God? You know, well, what's what's going to happen today? It's uh, it's not. Please get me out of this. It's not the make a deal variety, right? If you get me out of jail today, I'll try everything I can not to come back. You know, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. I, I stopped making deals like that a long time ago cause I knew I wasn't telling the truth and I knew God knew. Right. But, uh, anyway, if, uh, um, if I can I borrow one of these books. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll wrap it up here pretty quickly with this, but, uh, the, uh, The, uh, the, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has, uh, has allowed me to do, uh, a lot of really amazing things since I've been sober. Um, I've, uh, I've had two success, very successful careers that have taken me places I've never would have imagined. Um, and, uh, put me in places that, uh, uh, put me in positions of success that I would have been absolutely petrified to, to be able to, uh, to, to undertake and uh, come out with God's help and God's companionship, come out of the deal with the uh, gone into it and come out of it um, wildly successful, right? Um, just amazing. Um, I've uh, since since moving to Arizona, uh, my wife and I we've uh, we've we, we we've jumped right into the program here. Um, we've uh, developed a huge social circle, The the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous is what saved my ass, right? I love the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. We learn a lot in meetings, but I get the most of it, uh, before, after, outside, uh, on the phone all week long with, with members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, the, uh, the thing that comes to mind, one of the things that we've, we've done was, uh, we, we were involved with a small group of people and we, uh, did a, a, a deal on uh, a, uh, on the original manuscript and uh, um, talking about uh, how Bill developed this idea or how this notion of developing a, a, a concept, your own concept of God. And uh, if you haven't gotten into the original manuscript, uh, highly recommend it. It's, it's super interesting, the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, but... Uh, So it's, I got sober in 1994, it was before cell phones, it was before the internet, it was this, that, and the other thing, all the things, you know, there wasn't Zoom, um, God dang, right, I, I, you know, uh, you, when you got people's phone number, you know, you'd call and, and you would leave messages on, on answering machines and had pagers and stuff like that, and uh, I'm thinking, man, they got it easy today. And then I think about how I got sober with telephones and all that. And uh, Bill Wilson didn't have a book. He didn't have a program, right? He just had this talk with Ebby and uh, developing his own concept of God. And that was, that was the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, thank God that he didn't think that he was just crazy. And that if he carried the message to other alcoholics, that maybe he'd stay sober. And here we are today. And I'll, I'll close with this, and uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, an alcoholic in his cuffs, It's the, the very last two, uh, three paragraphs in, in Bill's story. Uh, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. But just underneath, there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Um, most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my, simple, my, each day my friends' simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And uh, that is exactly how I feel about Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, with that, thank you very much.